What's going on, everybody? I'm Mara. And I'm Tez. And welcome back to Sisters Who Kill. Being young and in love is really scary. What happens when what you believe love is turns violent and leaves you in a tight position? If you're listening to this, you probably already know what I'm about to say, that today is the day for you to start your podcast. You have everything that you need, your computer, a little microphone, and Spotify for podcasters. It is the all-in-one platform where you can host, edit, and record your podcast and distribute it everywhere. Where you're listening right now, you can have your podcast there. I promise, for real. And it's free. And you can make some money off of your podcast for free. Free money. Free money is out there. Just go get it by starting your podcast today. Our players this week are Adrian Thornton, the victim, O.W. Petkoff, Adrian's friend, James Harris, a man who worked for Adrian, David Rohn, accomplice, and Candacia Byers, our murderess. Candacia Sheree Byers was born in Marlin, Texas on January 12th, 1997. She never knew who her dad was. Actually, nobody in her family knew who her dad was. And her mom was young and was in and out of jail a lot. Things were really hard for her mom. I mean, she was a single mom. She was committed to keeping her kid, but she was not doing very well in the streets. And Candacia, who everybody called Candy, when she was just four years old, she wrote a letter to Santa. And in her letter to Santa, she wrote, Dear Santa, my name is Candacia Byers. I would like you to bring me a triangle with toys on it, a star with all the toys on it, and that is all. Love, Candacia Byers. Now, Candy, she had a great granddad, great granddaddy, His name was Eddie Crawford, and he loved his great-grandbaby, okay? He loved her so, so much. And when things started really getting rough with her mom, he was like, listen, you always have a place to stay with me. So when she was 15 years old, things started getting really rough with her mom. Candy was like, all right, Pops, things are getting really rough over here. I'm going to take you up on that offer to move in. And Pops was like you already know, come on, come on over. And he said that he really had no problems out of her, that she did what she was supposed to do, that she, you know, she was involved at school. She was in the pep squad. She was in ROTC. She was social. She didn't give him any lip at home. Like things were going pretty well. Candy was looking forward to the future. She was already thinking about what she wanted to do after high school. Actually, she was looking forward to her future by deciding that after she was done with high school, she is going to walk into the trap America has set up to steal your DNA, murder you if you were a woman, and cover it up. That's right. She wanted to join the military. <laughs> the veterans going to be like, hold on it. now. Them veterans, they be getting it. <laughs> okay, they be like, okay, the military's not all bad. There are podcasts. We could make a whole nother podcast about missing and murdered military women of color. We could. There probably are, and I'm going to leave that there. Anyways, Life with Pops was great. It was a pretty lax environment, so Candy was able to pretty much do whatever she wanted to do. And by the time she was 16 years old, so about a year, a little less than a year, 
of being with Pops, she was already sneaking into adult bars. Now, one night when she was out, and she was 16, she met her, a 21-year-old man named David Dominique Roan. So we don't have a lot of information on David Roan, but we do know that he was not the most obedient citizen of society. He had a history of stealing. And on January 27th of 2011, he got sentenced to 210 days in jail for unauthorized use of a motor vehicle. Um, He also had a charge for theft under $1,000 and possession of less than seven grams. Um, And by the age of 21, he was a convicted felon, which is... So young to have that stamp on you. You can't even try to get your life back on track and go to school because you can't get financial aid. You get what I'm saying, y'all? And now you can't afford it. So even if you decided, if you're 21 and you decide at the age of 24 that you want to get your life back on track, you have fucked yourself to do that. Just, I just want to put that bug in y'all's ear. If Make good decisions. Listening. Make good decisions. Go ahead, keep going. <laughs> That's what Mr. Bernie used to tell me. If I told her I had plans, all right, make good decisions. Oh, gotcha. That's such a good way to leave off kids. Now, David was a family friend of this woman named Miss Adrian, and he used to do work for her around her house. Now, Adrian Thompson was born July 18, 1954, to Mildred Snow Thornton and Bob Thornton. She had a sister named Barbara, and she and her family were from Fort Worth, Texas. When she was a child, she was always very shy. Her mom had to, like, push her to participate in activities and stuff. She grew up in a church. She was just a good little smart girl. She was sweet. She was nice, but she was also very private, you know? She grew up to go to the military and serve in the Army for a brief period and went on to work at the U.S. Postal Service, from which she retired. She never got married. She never had kids. In the year 2000, she bought herself a home in Oakmont, and she found herself a new church, and that's where she met her good friend, Miss O.W. Petkoff. They quickly went from church friends to almost like sisters. O.W. said that Adrienne used to raise little kids as if they were own and had almost like adopted children just people who she would take in from time to time. She really loved to help people and those in need. Not nothing on an official capacity, but like, you know, that person who you know will look out for you and if you need a place to stay or you're having a hard time, you can count on them. That's Miss mm-hmm. Adrian. Now, throughout her life, Miss Adrian was very close to her mother. She loved her very much, often taking care of her. Her mom died in early 2011 when Adrian was about 57 years old, and she took it very hard. At this point, she became hard to get in touch with. As she got older, she became disabled herself and was now homebound. And people said that they would leave her voicemails and they'd be lucky if they heard anything back from her. She kind of became a recluse. She was always an introvert anyways and kind of private into herself. So this just further pulled her into her shell. But yeah, so she was mostly homebound, but she was able, she had her car and she would drive whenever she really, really needed to. She probably drove herself to church and a yeah, couple probably. of blocks, you know, anything close. Now, because of the fact that Miss Adrian was mostly homebound, she had some guys that would come over and would help her out with doing things. And David Roan, he was a family friend of Miss Adrian. So to get a little extra money, David would go over to Miss Adrian's house and would run errands for her, run to the bank, run to the grocery store, whatever she needed to get done. 
Now, remember, I'm sure you haven't, but remember when David met Candy, he was 21 and she was 16 and she was hella sprung because he was grooming her, clearly. And she was skipping school to be with him. She, if she was in school, she wasn't paying attention to school. She wasn't really doing anything but trying to be up with him. And since he was trying to make money over at Miss Adrian's house, she was over there as well. But David doesn't have the cleanest reputation. And on May 8th, 2012, Miss Adrian asked David to take her car, run to the bank, deposit $700, run by the store, and come on back. He leaves the house around 5.35 p.m., at 6 p.m., he calls her phone. He's like, listen, I've been pulled over. I don't know. I'm a little worried. And she's like, here's the ding, ding, ding. You know how, ding, ding. You know how when your car is starting <laughs> up. And then all of a sudden, he hangs up the phone. She calls and calls, gets no answer. She's like, okay, maybe something happened to him. Maybe he went to jail, like, driving my car. So she's looking for him, calls the local jails. Nope, he hasn't been arrested. Nobody under that name. She's calling everywhere to find him and she's like I think this boy just stole my car so she calls 911 the next day May 9th because she spent the entire night I don't know calling jails trying to make sure that the boy was okay and she's like hey um is there a certain length of time that I have to wait before I need to report a vehicle stolen for like unauthorized use of a vehicle and they're like no ma'am there's no length of time that you have to wait and she's like okay yes I'd like to report a missing car then which is crazy because not I got to wait 24 hours for a person, but I don't have to wait any time for a missing car. Pro tip. <laughs> Pro tip for calling 911. Well, I think because a person has a sense of will to do it on their own, whereas a car, somebody had to take that shit. If the car is gone and I think you're missing, pretend that you own the car that's missing. Pro tip. You learned it today. I mean, they'd have um, to see that it was registered to you. All my papers are in the car. It's online, girl. They can look it up. They got, that's funny. Not at this time. (laughs) Everything's paper right now. So, uh, oh, bro tip. Uh, (laughs) And then the people that are on 911 with her, they're like, okay, who's the person that you loaned your vehicle to? And she's like, David Rohn, last name R-H-O-N-E. Was like, straight up, that's who took my car, I already know. At least that's the last person who's been seen with my car. She got her car back. She didn't press charges. She was like, I just want my vehicle. They found him. She got her vehicle. The $700 that she gave him to go to the bank to deposit her account never got deposited. But she was like, it's okay. Like, I will forgive you. Now, remember, that happened on May 8th. Instacart helps you get beer and wine delivered in as fast as an hour. So whether you need to fill the cooler for tailgate season or... Fill your glass for Pinot by the fire season. You can save time by getting fall sips delivered in just a few clicks. Visit instacart.com or download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum order $10. Additional terms apply. Must be 21 or over for alcohol delivery where available. Instacart. Add life to cart. Streaming October 6th on Paramount+. Plus. First place I learned about death was a pet cemetery. Dead things buried in that land come back there's something else something's wrong with timmy he needs time to adjust that's not timmy something's talking through him sometimes dead 
is better. Pet Cemetery Bloodlines Rated R streaming only on Paramount Plus. 2013 on May 25th, 2013, Miss Adrian Thornton was attacked in her garage. She was hit over the head with a hammer. She was stabbed six times with a knife. No one really knows the exact sequence of what happened while Candacia and David were on her property or who is the one that began the violent attack, but Miss Adrian was dead. She was packed in the trunk of her own vehicle. Her garage was haphazardly cleaned up, and the two left the scene. Later, when they were in another county, like Marlin County, which is two hours south of where her home is, they burned Miss Adrian's personal belongings, which was like her purse, her ID, things like that, And then it was time for them to get rid of the evidence. The car was driven deep into the woods, left, and no one said anything. She was last seen shortly before the murder. She was dropping off some guy who worked in her house. She was dropping him off at his apartment and had not been seen since. And nothing has really came of it yet. She doesn't really have any family left in Texas. Her parents have passed. I don't believe her sister lives in the state. And she kind of keeps to herself. And like I said, it's not unusual for her to not be seen for a few days at a time. Even her friend O.W. said that she would go and pray a lot. And she would have these periods where she would just sit in the house and she'd just pray and pray and pray. And throughout this time, she wouldn't answer phone calls or anything. But... Then her mail started to kind of start piling up to a point where the post office stopped delivering her letters. And notice, and neighbors were like, hmm, I ain't seen her car. I, I ain't seen her, period. And now her mailbox stuff. It's been about two weeks since anybody's seen her. So people are starting to kind of wonder, like, is she under them spells or is she is something wrong? They're trying to think back to the last time they saw her. They're like, maybe... Maybe it was the end of May. Maybe it was the top of June. I don't know, but it's been a little minute since we done seen Miss Adrian. That's when one of her neighbors was like, well, let's just do a welfare check on the house. So they called the police. The police come to do a welfare check. And they're like, I mean, we don't see her, but she could be away in a hospital or at a rehab for her knee. You said she's a sick elderly woman, so she could just be in a rehab center or getting some uh, medical emergency taken care of. You never know what elderly people like that. I feel like they were all trying to rationalize it in their mind, but also the neighbors were kind of suspicious because they were like, her cat is there. Yeah. And you ain't going to leave your animal. You might leave it, but somebody going to be in charge of it. Right. You gonna like, see you watching Miss Adrian Cat? No, I ain't watching it. You watching it? No, she ain't asked me. You know, it's probably somebody who she always it go like to. like everybody know her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, OW, she starts calling hospitals and rehab centers that are local nearby, and nobody has the Adrian Thornton in there. So, by June 15th, OW is like, all right, I'm fine. I'm filing a missing person report. In addition to doing that, she calls her nephew informed what's happening. She's like, it doesn't look like she's taken off or gone anywhere. It looks like something's happened to her. The cops do just a little bit of light investigation. And somebody mentions that David works in Miss Adrian's house from time to time. So on June 17th, just two days later, they asked David, what does he know about Miss Adrian? And David's like, I actually haven't seen her in about two to three weeks. And I was like, well, see you coming up on this report. What happened? He was like, yeah, I took her car and I stole her money but she forgave me we good now so so not much has happened in this case nothing really came of anything they still have not found miss adrian on june 24th they have the police department tweet out a missing persons fire that also included the car on it that's so crazy that 
the police are tweeting things out, and we know this. Like we we've seen it. We know that this is true. But like to put it in a case now and be like, remember the police tweeted out. So time is passing. They don't get a single call with any information. Nobody seems to know anything. And the cops are like, it looked like she just ain't got no ties to this area. If she don't know nobody, and ain't nobody gonna know that she's out here. Like, it just, we don't know. Now, on June 24th, a road crew outside of Marlin Falls finds some burned items on the side of the road. These items just so happen to be Miss Adrienne's purse, her keys, her debit card, and an ID that's slightly burned but still legible. On July 11th, David was arrested because he was accused of sexually assaulting a child under 17 in Grand Prairie. They said that this incident happened in February the previous year, which tracks for me because you're with 16-year-old Candacia, so it doesn't surprise me that you had another incident with a child. With an underage with, girl. You know, He ends up getting out on bond, and six days later, on July 17th, he and Candy drive up to Oklahoma, where he's then arrested on another unauthorized use of a motor vehicle charge. While he's locked up, he's like, Candy, make sure you're watching the news. Make sure you keep your ear to the streets. Listen out for what's happening, right? August comes. We still have not found Miss Adrian. They noticed she was missing June 1st, June 15th, somewhere in between this time, right? It's now August, and all we've seen is some burned IDs, and cards and purse, and that's all we know. Police right. have used dogs, helicopters, boats, everything to try and find her. They keep coming up with nothing. Mm. Around August 27th, David's charges get dismissed for his sexual assault case due to lack of evidence, but he's still in jail on this unauthorized use of a motor vehicle charge. Later in September, he ended up getting sentenced to seven months because he was on probation for unauthorized use of a motor vehicle, but then his probation got revoked. So now he had to serve those seven months instead of being on probation in seven months. This was not the Adrian situation, but clearly we have a pattern here. So it's September 22nd, 2013, and a passerby was out hunting season, looking for some deer, and he's a local in Marlin County. He's out and about, child, goes deep in the woods and sees a Lincoln. And he's like, now what is a car like this doing all the way out here? And so from there, he calls the police because that's, of course, what people do. And the car, it was like, okay, it seems to be in the brush. Seems like it was parked into, it wasn't, it didn't like break down. It was intentionally put deep in the woods in this treed area. And they're like, okay, let's call the police. The police come out, they examine the vehicle. The back plate is missing. And they're like, okay, we don't know what's happening. But they go around to the front and oh, look, there's front plates. They run the plates and the plates match to 59-year-old Adrian Thornton. And they're like, well, look at here. It's a missing woman that is active right now. They take a look in the vehicle and they see boxes and they see stuff that you would normally find in a garage. And they're like, yo, the car really smells. They're still looking and they're like, do we see blood? Next thing you know, the police pop open the trunk and boom, the smell of a decomposing body smacks them in the face as they find Adrian Thornton's body wrapped in a comforter 
stuffed in the trunk of her own car. They take the car, they impound the car, they send it to the crime lab in Waco, they take her body to the Dallas County Medical Examiner, and they try to identify her. Of course, they think they know who this is, but she's almost like skeleton remains. She has been in the trunk of a car in Texas, wrapped in a comforter, so badly decomposed. The Fort Worth police take over the investigation, and on November 8th, 2013, they were officially able to identify the body to be Adrian Thornton, through her dental records. The medical examiner comes back and says that the cause of death was multiple stab wounds, six in the chest, and being beaten with a hammer. The manner of death, homicide. When word got out that Miss Adrian's body was identified, it really hurt her church community and all the people that knew her. Johnny Hughes said that Johnny went to church with her since she was, since they were both about two years old, and he was like, listen, she didn't bother anybody. As a matter of fact, we had to bother her. Like, she really was a keep to yourself. Like, she wouldn't hurt a fly. She wouldn't do anything. And he said, we just can't understand. It had just been a stranger or something that could even attempt to hurt her. I mean, like, who would do it? She's a quiet, sweet person. She's not in the street. She has no enemies. It had to have been a stranger. And now that they have the body, of course, now police need to figure out who committed this crime. So they set up a search warrant for the Adrian's house, but they don't go in quite yet. They send some cops over to just stake out the joint, just see what's going on. And one day, they see a man come up, and he just starts, like, taking pictures of the house. And the cops are watching him just take pictures of the victim's house. Cops call it in, hey, detective, we have a black man here that is taking pictures of the victim's house. Mm -hmm. Detective is like, bring him in. So they go out, they cuff him, they bring this man back to the station. And they use this opportunity to have other cops come and then actually search the house. Did you know that a search warrant? So I feel like that means this, does a search warrant have a couple days? Like, does a search warrant have an expiration period? I feel like maybe it's within... Mm, no, you get what I'm saying? Do you get my question? Time. No. Like, if I get a search, if I'm a detective and I get a search warrant for this property, is it so that I can move in? I know people, you, we usually hear about people trying to rush to get the search warrant so that they can search it as soon as possible. But what if you're trying to play the long game? Does that search warrant have an expiration? Because I feel like this was a very smooth move for the police. Like, they had the search warrant. They could go in at any time, but they decided to stake out the joint. And as soon as they got somebody in cuffs, they were like, all right, now time to see what's going on inside. When they're searching the house, they go in and see that the area near the doorway, it just looks a little off. They were walking the pathway to the garage, and it's not like anything was turned over, but it kind of looked like things were missing. Like, things had been moved. Like, you know, things weren't in the right position. And stuff was clean, clean. Like, why is this walkway right here so clean? Right, like, things have been touched in this particular area. Then the detectives, they walk the path of the house, and they go into the garage. And they're like, nah, it's really clean in here. So they take the little luminol, put it over the garage, and it lights up like a motherfucking Christmas tree. And they're like, oh, wow, there was a lot of blood in here. And 
when I tell you a lot of blood, like a lot of blood that consists with Miss Adrian having that many stab wounds that are and a hammer to the head. You know, like it was a lot of blood and it looks like this, we found the crime scene. Now remember you guys that David is still in jail. He told Candy to have her ear to the streets. The other person that had his back was his mama. And his mom called him promptly to inform David that they had found the body of Miss Adrian. So down at the station, they got this man who's taking pictures outside the house. This man happens to be Mr. James Harris. He's this 41-year-old guy. And the police are like, uh, tell us how you know Miss Adrian. And he's like, oh, I used to wait for her. They're like, okay, so what kind of work did you do? He said, yard work, yard working, you know, mopping floors. She was older and took a lot of medication, so she didn't do a lot of that stuff. She hired people to run errands and get her meds, rake leaves, get her locks fixed, shit like that, right? So the cops are like, so why are you taking pictures of Miss Adrian's house? He was like, well, the word has been spreading that her body had been found, and I used to do a lot of work here at the house, so I just kind of wanted to remember it how it was. And then James starts becoming real emotional, man. He's real concerned. He's just like, so understand. Why would you do that old lady like that, man? She would have gave her anything she wanted, man. She would have gave anything she wanted. Why would they do that? And the cops are like, can you think of anybody who would want to hurt Miss Thorne? James says, well, there's another guy named David. And they said, and what kind of guy is David? And James said, sneaky. And I said, wait a minute. Because if somebody had to describe me in one word, I might be sneaky. But if somebody had but to describe me in one word, and that's the first thing that come to mind is sneaky, Mm-mm. you hella sneaky, bro. Like, I might have a few sneaky qualities, but that's not my whole persona. And the detectives are like, sneaky, what you mean by that? And he's like, just, you know, just, how can I say it? Just, just, he's just sneaky. You know what I'm saying? Ain't no better word for it. The man is just sneaky. James started telling the detectives that Miss Adrian was complaining to him a couple of weeks ago about how David done stole hundreds of dollars from her. And they're like, hmm, interesting. So, very. It's like November 2013, and the detectives decide to run David's name, and they find out he got a rap sheet. And not only do he got a rap sheet, but our man's is in jail. Now, I'm not sure when this bit of information popped up for the police, but they start looking in the phone records, and they say that Miss Adrian called David around May 23rd at like 12.20 p.m. After finding out this information, they find out that two days later that David was out in Marlin, where Candy's family lives. They said he stayed out there for two days and then came back to Fort Worth. And I feel like at this time, they're following his phone records and seeing where he's at. They're like, hmm, okay. So then they're like, okay, let's see what David's doing up in jail. They start to look at his visited records, and they see this girl Candy has come to see him multiple times. They run her name, and she don't got no priors, but they do see that she's from Marlin. And it's like, okay, so he must have been out here with her. Not only that, the car was found in Marlin. So... Now we got ourselves a bit of a connection. So they're like, let's go find Candy. So they go to Candy's high school because she's still a I minor. I just don't like the fact that they pulled up at the school. i just ready to... I'm glad we're here. Keep going. I just so don't like the fact that they pulled up at the school. 
Now, they said they pulled up at the school. They was in the principal's office. They pulled her out of class, and they said, hey, we're here to talk to you about this. You do not have to talk to us if you don't want to. You're free to go back to class right now. And she says, I'll talk to y'all. And it was like, okay. Tell us what you know about Miss Adrian Thornton and Mr. David Rome. She said, I don't know shit about them. Don't even know who they are. <laughs> deny, deny, deny. At this point, the detectives are like, okay, you're a liar. Because you're telling me you don't know David Rome. And David Rome's visited log is full of visits from you, okay? And the jail ain't no cute place to go hang out. So you know him well <laughs> enough to keep going <laughs> to jail to visit this man. Y'all, you know something. So the funny. detectives show Candy a picture of Miss Adrian. She ties her head, don't even look at it. I don't know her. So the police are like, all right, well, thank you for talking to us. Go on back to class. And from there, they head straight to Pop's house. They tell Pops what happened, and Pops is shocked. He said, could have knocked me out with a feather. I was so shocked. So Candy gets home from school that day. And she walks in the house, and there was Pops sitting with the detectives that was questioning her while she was at school today. Damn. Thought you escaped your troubles, and your troubles found you at home. That's like a bad movie. <laughs> and they're like, all right, you need to sit Surprise, down. You need to tell us. She sits down, and she's like, I told you, I don't know who these people are. I don't know anything. And her Pops is like, listen, Candy. I need you to tell these men the truth. So Candy, she sits there. She takes a deep breath, and she tells her first story. She says, yes, she knows both David and Miss Adrian. She tells them how she knows them about being with David and David working for her, and that last May, because remember, this is the whole next year. We're in 2013, but last May, so that's May of 2012, David is like, hey, baby, we're going to go on a romantic road trip. And she's like, a romantic road trip? That sounds really great. I love that idea. Yes. And he's like, great. Miss Adrian's going to let me borrow her car. And she's like, okay, that's great. So their struggle love gets on the bus, gets off the bus, walks a little while to get to Miss Adrian's house. And then David turns, she says, this is according to her, she says that David turns around and is like, all right, listen, baby, I'm going to go inside for a little while. You just wait out here. No matter what, don't come in this house. And so she's like, okay. He goes in the house, and he's in there for a long time. And she's like, and then I start hearing screams, and I'm concerned. I don't know, but he told me to stay outside, so I stayed outside. And then all of a sudden, the garage door opens, and David just walks out, and he's covered in blood. And and. Candy says, I-, I see Miss Adrian on the ground dead. And David says, listen, you need to just stay outside and I'm going to handle things. And they cleaned up, packed up the car, drove out to Marlin. And then she's like, listen, he dropped me off somewhere. He still had the car. We split ways. And he said that he was going to get rid of the body. I didn't know what to do. And they're like, why would you keep the secret? She's like, because I love him. Clearly. The detectives are like, all right. But they think that she's a little bit more involved. But they decide that it's time to pay David another visit. The detectives make their way down to Tarrant County Jail to talk to David. And David is like, yeah, I used to help Miss Adrian with some chores. But like I say, I don't know nothing about her disappearance. Cops, let me stop you right here, David. <laughs> We've talked to Candy. She's out and about. She's living her life like it ain't nothing. David said, mm-hmm. They said, I'm not going to go on all the details. 
but it's all getting dumped on you, man, okay? You're sitting here on a capital murder charge. David said, listen, man, she came up with this crazy idea. I told her, no, you know, it's not worth it. Tired immediately had no hold about himself. He was like, fuck this shit. They're like, okay, you know, you say she has this crazy idea. What was Candy's plan? Be straight up, be as specific as possible. Ava says she, she was going to kill Miss Adrian, take everything, and leave. It was her plan because she just wanted to get away. David goes on. He was like, there wasn't no stopping her. He says on May 23rd, she's at the house. He said she took a hammer. She said she was going to call me when it's done, and she did it. And they said, did you see her leave with the hammer? And he says, yeah. He says she calls a few hours later saying it was done and that she needed his help. Cops say, so what did she tell you? And David said, she said that she hit her in the head. And I guess Miss Adrian tried to open a garage door. And that's when Candy struck her again. But I guess she kept hitting her in the head. And then cops say, did she say something? Did she say she did something besides hit her with the hammer? And David says, yeah. She says she took a knife and stabbed her. He says, when I first got there, seeing what she'd done, I was, like, in shock because there was blood everywhere. She says, when he gets there, Miss Adrian is still on the floor, moaning and alive. And he says, come on, Candy, we can't just leave her here like that. So out of mercy, he takes the knife and, quote, unquote, finishes her off. He says, after that, they both went through the house grabbing valuables, anything they could trade for money. They get jewelry, and they also find some cash, anything to make sure that they had a little something to get by. Then David goes on to say, you know, we cleaned up everything, and we tried to hide all the evidence. We washed the blood off the floor and the walls and shit, and anything that was too bloody, we kind of just packed it up in the car. We wrapped Miss Adrian up in a comforter and put her in the trunk. After telling this story, not mind you, this is December of 2013, the detectives are like, thank you so much for your help, David. You are now charged with capital murder. Later on in the day, they go arrest Candy on the same charges. David's bond is set to half a million dollars, and I don't think we know how much Candy because she was in a juvenile court, so a lot of that stuff is sealed. On November 29th, Miss Adrian Thornton was laid to rest at 11 a.m. She had a graveside funeral service in Dallas-Fort Worth National Cemetery. Instead of flowers, her family asked for donations to Texas Crime Victims Compensation Program. Police kept investigating. They were looking for missing items, and they were trying to look for these missing items at different pawn shops because they were trying to track this couple's whereabouts. I mean, they found some of her items as far as Victoria, Texas, which we're not from Texas, so we don't know what the... I'm not going to speak for you, Tazzy. I don't know the geography of Texas, but I guess Victoria is way, way south. Y'all let me know. Anyways, and they were like, okay, so this jewelry was found in all different areas. The money, we can conclude, was about $10,000 in cash that they stole from her home. And now the big thing that we can't answer is who was the most responsible one for these crimes? Like, who? they're turning the finger on each other. So who did it? Whose plan was it to murder Miss Adrian Thornton? Candacia faced the death penalty, and on May 27, 2014, she pled guilty to murder, which is less than capital murder. She gave a testimony and said that, listen, I'm going to tell you guys the truth. The original story that I told you was a lie. She said when she got with David, of course, he knew how young she was. She had fallen for him, and because of that, 
that he was manipulating her and he was trafficking her out. And he came to her and was like, listen, you're not making enough money for me. And so what I'm going to need you to do, I'm going to need you to rob Miss Adrian because you need to make your cut. She was like, listen, I this happened. I didn't want to do it, but I was scared. He told me that I had to do it. And I knew Miss Adrian, obviously, because I knew that David used to help around the house. And her and I, we had formed a relationship. Like I was in ROTC. She had been in the army. We were talking about my plans for the future. Even though like her and David had their thing when David like stole her car, her and I still had a really good relationship and we were really close. And Adrian, when she came over, she was really happy to see her. She was really happy to see Candy. When she was happy to see Candy, they were just chit-chatting that day, chit-chatting that day. And she waited until Miss Adrian went to the back of the house and then she opened the door and let David. And from letting David in, because he told her to, he then ambushed Miss Adrian, attacked her, hit her with the hammer and stabbed her to death and stole her car. Candy said that when she saw Miss Adrian on the floor and her eyes were open and she she was there, that she saw Miss Adrian take her last breath and after she helped David clean up and load up the car, she was just like so distraught. And she just felt like she had to do it because David was like, I know where your family lives. So don't even all this other shit, all this shit that we have going on, you're not going to say a thing. And he's like, I started this, but you, you're going to help me finish. And she's like, and this is the man that I'm in love with, right? I'm 16. He's 21. I'm in love with him. I think that I am. And I'm afraid of him. She cries and she apologizes to the court and she throws herself at the mercy of the court. David's trial was set for April of 2016. And I think at first he was going to go to trial, but ended up pleading guilty to avoid the death penalties. During his sentencing, Adrian's nephew, Walter Williams, attended the hearing and he did not want to talk to press or anything. So we do not have a comment from him. Candacia was sentenced in May of 2014 to 30 years and is eligible for parole in February of 2029. While she was getting sentenced, the prosecution read the original statements that she and David gave to the police. Candy testified about how she was scared of David and how he had turned her into a prostitute. And again, she just really didn't want to do it. The prosecutor said that she would have been happy giving them both life sentences, but was worried that the defense would put Candy on the stand. And she was like, listen, this girl done gave 90 different versions of what happened. So we honestly don't know what a jury would believe. Is she going to take this story or not? So they just wanted to make sure they got her on something. Later that year, David was also sentenced to murder and he was sentenced to 40 years. His hearing on only took a few minutes and he has to serve half of his sentence before he's eligible for parole. His lawyer says that he is sincerely remorseful. He said that it's rare for somebody to take responsibility when the plea offer is pretty significant. Like, this man is still getting 40 years, but he was like, but he took responsibility. He's going to do his time and hopefully he'll see sunlight at some point again. In 2015, the prosecutor requested that Candasia, they requested that she be moved to adult prison and the judge approved the transfer and she got sent to Christina Milton Crane unit in Gatesville. Now this hearing happened on December 17th and if she, the judge would have denied the prosecution's request then she would have been paroled on her 18th birthday which was like January 27th so coming up. Instead he said that she got to go and finish out her time so on December 30th she left Juvia and went to adult prison. 
That was pretty sad, too. I'm not gonna lie. I guess they're all sad. All right, y'all, it's time for... Well, I'm not black. I'm OJ. I didn't do it, but if I did, this is how I would have got away with it. You got any? I ain't do it, but if I did, we're not picking up old dusty men in the bar and they don't got a car or a job or shit going for them. Okay, let's start there. Let's start there. Girl, the whole... You're not supposed to be out in the club anyways, but one of the benefits of dating older people when you're younger, even, like, if you're both minors, the benefit of dating somebody older is that they have a car. Girl, he don't even have a car. We have to get better with our decisions. We have to. And honestly, like, get a car. He has so <laughs> many thefts. Girl, you want to be with somebody that keeps still... Every time he picks Instead you up... Instead of buying a car, he just over kept that taking somebody else's shit. You know... Come on. A, you, you worse than a, What's worse than a scrub? I'm going to ask Beyonce one day. Get out of here. We know what a scrub is. What's worse than a scrub? I'm going to ask Kelly. I bet she know. Um, I didn't do it, but if I did, for the police. Y'all questioned the people that worked for her. When he said, oh, yeah, I saw her car, but it's fine and all is forgiven. And the woman is missing. That wasn't your red flag to investigate into him more, to press him. No? Her no. car was also missing. Sometimes the police don't be fucking thinking. It'd be right in front of your noses. Follow your nose. It'd be right in front of your noses. I do it, but if I did. If you are so broke that the only way we could take a vacation is to commit a crime, nonetheless murder, but to commit a crime, well, we probably just can't afford to go on vacation. Baby, I'm about to take you to Jamaica, but we first we got to rob a bank. Baby, I'm about to take you on a road trip, but first I have to kill for the car. We ain't even going on no road trip. You ain't even get your part of the deal. Where is the romance? That's not love, Buki. She thinks she on some Bonnie and Clyde shit. It's not. Mm-mm. It's not love, and Bonnie and Clyde ain't cute. Right, I ain't do it, but if I did, they found her burnt belongings, but still could tell who the belongings belonged to. Y'all didn't even burn them up all the way. It's giving sloppy. Oh, very. This was a sloppy crime. <sighs> they cleaned the garage, but, I mean, Luminol, so... They don't know nothing. Not neither one of them. You got another one? I ain't do it, but if I did, if I did have to commit a crime against somebody, it's not gonna be the nice old lady who always looked out for y'all, who did little things for your man to get money so he could feed you some McDonald's. You know what I mean? It's not gonna be her. Right. It's not going to be her. Not there. That's great. Um, I ain't do it, but if I did, <laughs> I can't believe I wrote this down. I said, after all that grooming, you didn't tell her that once she's questioned to ask for a lawyer. Why was she being questioned at school? If they said I could go home, I'm going back to class. Because we know you don't been through the system. You already know how it goes. I'm ready to go back to class. And I would call Pops and tell him to come pick me up. So when they were on the way well, that's home... That's probably the last person I mean, she wanted to go. <laughs> yes. No, call Pops to come pick you up because while they're leaving the school, headed to Pops, he's headed to pick you up, tell him you want to go out. So when they go to your home, Pops ain't there. Go home. Me and Pops out to dinner. <laughs> I would have played that so smooth. Y'all get the timeline. 
Be a temporary fix. She gonna be the same fate in the end. Get enough time to think. Maybe you'll have a chance to call your man. Girl, that crime happened two, three, four months ago. She had plenty of time to think. The problem and he is, got she probably two, thought... three times in between. <sighs> Just Jesus. don't know how to do right. Was hell bent on it? And first of all, you can't. This nigga done been to jail, stay in and out of jail. Clearly, he want to live at jail. The least he could have did was take the fucking fall for it. Right. Well, he thought he was putting it on her because she was a minor. He's grooming minors so that he can use them as scapegoats. Not only is he trafficking them to make money off of them so he has the McDonald's to put in his belly, so he has a place to rest his dirty head every night. He's like, great, and now when I commit these crimes, I'm like, oh, the minor did it. I wouldn't be surprised if he taught her how to drive and he's teaching all these other girls how to drive so that when the cars are stolen, they're the ones driving and they get the fall. Apparently These, not. He got all If the he would just charges. use all of that thinking, all of that noggin, and put it into something fucking useful and not illegal, you would change the fucking world. You would. You hear that, guys? That's the key to life. All that stupid shit. Make it some good shit. You think they're going to be able to tell that we've been drinking? <gasps> I think it depends on how I sound. <laughs> Tazzy was slurring her words. <laughs> I'm done. I don't have any more. Yeah, I'm done. Uh, parole or no parole? Um, I don't know. David's got a pretty bad rap sheet, and it looks like he never planned on doing right. Um, Candy, I probably would. It'd be 2029, so she still got a whole six years left. This happened in 2013. She got sentenced in 2014. She been in there for a while. She won't be that old. Yeah, but she the thing is she she don't did some time. Counting my years I compared to her. She, uh, she was born in, what, 97? Uh-huh. So, yeah, I'll probably let her, let her try again. She better do some good while she in there, though. Whether yeah. it's good for herself or good for somebody else, do something good. Keep your nose fucking clean. Okay. That's the end of the show. You, you ready to read some reviews? Oh, I agreed with you. Oh. Uh, well, I formally agree with you, Tassie. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, let's read some reviews. Oh, Jesus. So um, this review is from our Facebook page, our public Facebook page, Sisters Who Kill podcast, from Whitney. The best podcast. I love the authenticity and delivery of the stories, plus the segments at the end are exactly what I want to discuss when I'm listening to true crime. This podcast is beautifully executed, and I love listening to the episodes. Thanks. Thank you so much. Very happy to be here and tell these stories to you every single week. Soft and warm, the quiet storm on B103. Only like a (laughs) 18th of our listeners will know what that is. (laughs) This one says, love you guys. Just wanted y'all to know that I absolutely love listening to y'all. Listening to y'all. One of my best friends started my sisters who kill addiction during a time when I was feeling my lowest. I was never big in the podcast, but I've always been a true crime fan. You all have such amazing and positive energy, and it's contagious. You all actually brought me out of my funk, and I can't thank you enough for that. I listen to you all, all the time, while I work, while I'm cleaning at home, and you're the perfect combination of serious, sassy, and comedy, and together you paint the story so well that it feels like I'm there when it happens. Keep up the great work you do. Forensic lady. 
Thanks, girl. So happy that we could help you I in that love time. That. It was very touching. You know, sometimes it really is true crime that takes you out of the funk. And I don't know what it is. I can't explain it. I can't obtain it. I feel like whether it's true crime or whatever, just getting wrapped up in somebody else's life and somebody else's problem and just taking That's your why people mind love reality you. TV. I love it because I can escape. Like, I don't have to, I'm feeling down, put me some high spot zone. And I can zone out. But I'm glad we could hang you could hang out with us because we're really nobodies. Right. We just get together every week and decide to tell a story. To the yep, best of our me. abilities. Even if you guys sometimes think it sucks. All right. Um, I think that's the end of our show for real. Um, you guys can keep up with us. Keep up with us. You can follow us on Twitter, tweet us, we love it. Sisters who kill. You can email us for ad space just to say hi. Sisters Who Kill Podcast at gmail.com. On Instagram, Sisters Who Kill Pod. TikTok, Sisters Who Kill Podcast. Facebook, Sisters Who Kill Podcast. You can join the Facebook discussion group. Answer the questions to get in. You have to. You have to. And you can't be an op. And you can't be a fucking op. Can we have a discussion about it real quick? They're going to know I've been drinking now. You can't be an op in the discussion group. If you're an op, if you have op spirit, don't be in the discussion group because we discuss true crime in the ways that Tazzy and I discuss true crime. Candidly, openly, don't be in there being a fucking op. Don't be in there cussing other people out. Don't be in there putting down other people, other people that may be in or not in the discussion group, in or not in the true crime community. Stop being a fucking op. No one likes a hater. It's ugly. And no one likes a mole either. (laughs) Anything else, friend? I don't have nothing else. Talk to us. We talk back. Bye. Bye.